This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. Did you know that an aircraft dispatcher shares 50% of the operational control of a flight with a captain? A career as an aircraft dispatcher can be both rewarding and, you know, is not very well known by the traveling public. Today I have with me Mike Carrolls, who will help us understand the role of a dispatcher and discuss the rewarding and lucrative career of an airline dispatcher. Welcome to the podcast, Mike. Hey, thanks very much for having me, Carl. Well, you know, this is awesome having you on. Uh, before we get started, a couple of things I just want to uh, tell the listeners is, uh, by the way, the uh, we still are growing our course page. I forgot to mention that. And also our coaching membership page has changed. Uh, there's a new video introducing the coaching. So go to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash coaching. Also, if you're listening to this, this is episode 139. You can go to the show notes. And if you have any questions, I know while you're listening, sometimes you have questions, write feedback at aviation careerspodcast.com. I'll answer them or I'll send them to Mike or if it's a question about something else, feedback from an, another episode, that'd be fine too. So anything you have a question about during this episode, you can hit pause, go to feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com and I will forward those messages on to Mike. Uh, Mike, you know, one of the things uh, we did together actually was Sun and Fun for the Stuck Mike Avcast. What a great event and uh, a wonderful aviation event. And it's really cool to see people that are involved in all aspects of aviation getting involved in in Sun and Fun in any of these aviation events. You truly have a passion for aviation, don't you? Yeah, no, I absolutely do. And uh, Sun and Fun was my first major air show uh, that I remember. Um, first air show I went to as quote-unquote media uh, to cover it for, for the podcast. But um, I think... I think you would know this, and when you get to uh, the majors level, um, there's there's no real, you know, you've made it to the show, and I think now my point is to help try to get as many people to the show as possible, and be an advocate for the dispatch profession, which is a a very small uh, percentage of uh, the airline compared to pilots, flight attendants, or anything like that. We're we're a very small, unique, specialized group of people. It, it, and that is very true. And by the way, you mentioned the podcast. I forgot to mention Flying in Life is your podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, but uh, really, it's really cool and it discusses uh, some of the things we're going to talk about here. And you can find that at flyinginlife.com. Really a lot of fun, though. That's cool that you're doing this. I, I love the fact that you're being an advocate, especially for dispatchers. I know a lot of folks have been asking questions. We've gotten a ton of emails about what it's like to be an aircraft dispatcher. Some of those things you do go over in your podcast right you talk a little bit about that right yeah my, my show i pretty much try to give the operational per- perspective of things so uh on this uh upcoming episode you know we're going to talk about the united incident that happened and you know i'm, I'm going to talk about how as a dispatcher and in the operations center we make those kind of decisions every day to do we remove four passengers to put on four crew members and, you know, kind of more of a, a lesser of two evils all the time. Obviously we, we don't like seeing our passengers getting hurt. Uh, that, that, that's completely the wrong way uh, to do it. Um, but you know, we do have to make those decisions a lot, um, especially when holding for connections and things like that. 
Interesting. Interesting. Well, gosh, we're going to have to get into that. And I really highly suggest people that are interested in being a dispatcher to go there and listen to that. But first, let's give people an overview. And this this next half hour, we really want to figure out what a dispatcher does and who they are. I think I, I in the prelude, I mentioned a lot of folks don't realize that, you know, us as pilots, everybody thinks that we're the ones that make all the decisions for the flight. Uh, I quizzed my wife on this earlier, and she did, had no idea. Uh, but what what is a dispatcher, and, and what is it that they do that's so important to the flight? Let's give a quick overview of that first. All right, a quick overview. Um, about 90 minutes to two hours prior to a flight, a dispatcher sits down, and they do all the pre-flight planning for a flight. They will look up the, the, the weather at the origin, the destination, in, in the route portion, uh, looking at thunderstorms, turbulence, and thing, all the things like that. And then they will build a route uh, to avoid those said hazards. And then they'll look at the notams and everything and basically do all of the pre-flight planning prior to a, a flight. Uh, they're doing the pre-flight planning looking at, like I said, weather notams. Uh, aircraft weights, aircraft performance issues, uh, if there's any specific um, MELs or maintenance carryovers that are on an aircraft and how they might affect the flight. Basically, we take a good a good deep look at each individual flight that an air, uh, a Part 121, Part 121 airline flies, and we make conscientious safety decisions of, can this flight operate safely? So we do all that prior to and then after, after the flight, we hit the send button. We send that flight plan. That gets printed at the gate for the crew. But we're not done there. We, we positively maintain contact with that flight through the duration of their flight, from the time they push out of the gate at the origin to the time they block in at the destination. Uh, we're in constant communication or can have constant communication with them uh, to give them updates uh, to the plan if anything major has changed. You said a couple terms, by the way, MEL and NOTAM. Uh, the MELs are equipment that we can go out with uh, that are, you know, they're necessary for flight in general, but they don't affect our safety as much. Like there are things like light bulbs that burn out inside the aircraft, that type of thing, and notices to airmen. By the way, any term that we mention here, we're going to put in the show notes. So I, I know we're going to have a few of them as we go through here. Uh, the notices to airmen are just basically the uh, things that tell us about uh, safety issues, turbulence, that type of thing. Interesting thing that you said, though, uh, is that so now the dispatcher sends this this paperwork to the gate. And I'd love people that are listening right now. Next time you go on an airline flight, watch the flight crew, what they do at the gate. They pick up this roll of a whole big package of paper, and it can be anywhere from 15 to 30 or 40 uh, pages long. It can be really long. And and look at them. They're going to be reading that. They have to go. The flight crew has to go through all that information. We know nothing when we get to the gate. The dispatcher, on the other hand, has been watching that. And I'm curious, how long before the flight? You you said you plan this flight. How long before that flight are you actually planning this? Is it something like 15 minutes prior, 10 minutes prior? How, how does that work? No, it's about uh, domestically at my airline. It's about 90 minutes prior. Uh, it was the final product gets sent. Uh, internationally, it'll be the, the final, the final hit the send button is about two hours prior, but a dispatcher will be pre-planning a flight pretty much their whole shift. Uh, our desks, uh, our areas that we work are, are set up by regions. Uh, so for example, uh, a, a region in the domestic side could be like a f- guy that's working flights out of Chicago and they might work flights up to all the flights to Minneapolis, Rochester, 
uh, Fargo, Grand Fork, Sioux Falls. So that's his little world. And he works all those flights in between those that hub city out to those spoke stations and back. And so that's his little world and that's his. So he understands and knows everything that's going on with the weather and all that in his area. Now, internationally, you know, we'll have, uh, again, separated by regions uh, and then, the you know, more broad spoke, uh, you know, we'll have a desk that works all their flights to Amsterdam, a desk that works all their flights to, to London and the UK and things like that. So a dispatcher really is um, looking at their flight and before a flight plan, sometimes up to four hours prior to departure, they'll start doing the pre-plan, especially uh, especially the long haul internationals and our, our ultra long haul flights like that too, that take a good two hours to plan up. I think a lot of people don't realize that there's a whole bunch of planning that goes into uh, the actual flight itself, loading, et cetera, special needs, any type of, of thing that we need on that flight. If there's, uh, you know, whether or not to bring more gas, less gas, you know, you have to worry about uh, something here too, that I think a lot of people don't realize on an airliner, most airliners can take off, right, at a heavier weight than they can land. So you actually, on a shorter flight especially, this comes into play. You can't just fill up the tanks and fly it to from New York to Florida because you're going to be overweight when you get there, aren't you, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. And, it, it, you know, you do that domestically, but there the, the 777-L, uh, 200LR, which uh, my airline operates, some of them, I've been landing late weight limited on a flight out of Dubai, uh, all the way back to the United States, wow. where that airplane has such a high takeoff gross weight that you know we we weren't burning enough gas before we got there. There it could carry so much. So uh, yeah, that's it's another thing we look at in Planet is those those performance uh, those performance limits of the airplane. You know, Mike, this is a great segue into our discussion of actually getting the planning part and uh, questions you get from passengers all the time. I know, say when we divert. People are like, well, this airplane carries enough. I know it carries enough fuel to go to the West Coast. Why is it we were going from you know, Atlanta to New York and we had to divert? Uh, and that's, that's it right there. We try to plan uh, enough fuel to, for contingencies too. say there's bad weather, et cetera, and to be able to make it to another airport if we have to. But we also can't put too much gas in there because if we get there, we're going to have to hold for a while. Uh, so that's kind of – how do you do that? I mean, how is it experience? Is it computerized? How do you – it's like a balancing match, isn't it? It, it is, and thankfully, um, we live in an area, an era where there's computer software that does most of the work. Um, back in the day, 40, 50 years ago, it was all pen and paper, uh, E6Bs, and uh, manual flight computers to do it. But thankfully, now we have a, a computer software that takes care of it. We pull up a flight. We hit the compute button. It calculates routes for us. Uh, we can put in the different passengers and the cargo amounts, and then it also gives us a, a weight summary at the bottom, so we can see what our where we at close to our, our zero fuel weight, where are we towards our max takeoff weight, where are we at for our, near our max landing weight, and gives us our our margin uh, there to how many pounds we are until we hit one of those limits. Well, this is fascinating. I wonder, you know, how do people learn how to do this? I guess uh, you'd have to go to school to learn to become a dispatcher. So um, where would where would somebody go to become a dispatcher? How would you become one? Can you just take a test? 
Uh, no, <laughs> unfortunately, you just can't take a test. <laughs> uh, for me personally, I it was one more class for my undergraduate, so I kind of took took it. Um, Dispatching's kind of my backup plan, and it's worked out very well for me so far. Uh, but there are, I think, about thirty nine or forty uh, Part sixty five. Uh, schools uh, to become an aircraft dispatcher. And an aircraft dispatcher, much like a pilot, is is a licensed airman. We have a, a dispatch certificate. Uh, we have an FAA check ride um, that we had to do in order to get our certificate. And the whole training for a dispatcher goes through a certain aircraft system. I think they're using the 737 now. And you have to learn all about the, the weights, the runway uh, weights, uh, how those are calculated so you can calculate them for your flights and all of that. So you, you learn all of that prior. Uh, and I think you have, a, have to have a certain number of hours that you need to, um, that you need to be, uh, trained for basically, uh, a certain number of hours before you can take your FAA practical. Interesting. And, and we'll, by that way, we'll have a list of some of those ways. And, and there's a couple organizations like dispatcher.org that has some lists of schools. The FA has a list of schools. Um, of course, me, I'm, I'm prone to our local school that I'm involved with. Uh, a lot of schools are coming out with dispatchers uh, licensing because of the fact that like everything else, things are growing, and there's a lot of jobs there for dispatchers. Although, you know, not quite as crazy as the the airline pilot hiring that's been going on and different flight crew, etc. Um, but you know, circling back to something you said, you talked about being able to discuss things with the pilots and being in constant contact. I'm on the ground. I know there's different ways to talk to you on the phone. I can pick up the phone at the gate and talk to you and stuff like that. Describe to us, you know, some of the other ways. I'm, I'm in the air. How in the world do I talk to a dispatcher? Um, first of all, the thing to do is kind of like being on the phone is you could uh, uh, you can pick us up and call us on the radio. Uh, a lot of major airlines have their own dedicated radio frequencies in certain regions uh, and operate a radio net. Uh, you can use services like New York Air Rink or San Francisco Air Rink for a phone patch as well. So that's a, a one way to do it. Uh, but the most uh, most used way for communication, we use ACARS, which is the Aircraft Communications Addressing and Reporting System, which is basically text messaging back and forth uh, from our desks in the operations center up to each individual flight. And that ACARS, I think, is awesome and because of the fact that you can send a message, hey, I need this information, get back to me. But when when things get bad, there are many ways to contact a dispatcher. Say you have to coordinate uh, medical treatment or you have to coordinate an emergency that you have to land at a different place. We can do that by radio, like you said, but there's many other things, too. Like Some airplanes have that satellite uh, communications where they can make an actual phone call on a satellite phone. Uh, the eight cars, you can actually do a relay uh, if you're over the ocean using uh, high-frequency HF radios. Uh, there's so many different ways that we can, we can communicate, and we have to be in constant contact with the dispatcher. So we have to listen on, on eight cars. If we're no longer in the range, say the text messaging uh, doesn't work, we actually have to be able to you know, open up a radio and listen on that radio, or uh, there's a little thing that can ring in the cockpit that tells us, hey, you know, like a cell call ringing. So there's there's all these different things that we're talking about here, different ways that we can get in touch with people. And I think that's really cool. Uh, I think a lot of folks don't realize that. This brings me to another point, though. Just like pilots, 
There's good dispatchers and there's better dispatchers. Let's put it that way. Um, one of the things that I think is really important, if someone wants to become, and you can speak towards this also, to become a good dispatcher, you have to realize that you're, you really are part of that flight. And uh, some dispatchers, it seems, do a, do a better job of, of either shuffling or paying attention to the flight and the concerns that are for that flight, like if there's a volcano or a thunderstorm, etc., what do you think would be a key if, if somebody's looking at becoming a dispatcher? What are some of the key items that you look for in a good dispatcher? Uh, a good dispatcher, um, we call it we call it operational control, and you, you, just like being in, a, in an airplane, having situational awareness. You know, it, it's different for us because you know our situation is constant. We're sitting at a desk in an office, but our, our situation that we need to be aware of is where are our flights at, where are they going. Uh, what's going on at those airports. And uh, we, as a dispatcher, have a constant flow of communication coming to, uh, to us. Uh, we have, uh, it, it comes in a form of queue messages. And those are different uh, pilot reports, different new notams being added or deleted constantly, uh, different uh, weather reports, um, forecasts, and observations come to us through our queue. So as a dispatcher, you have to stay and funnel all of that constant flow of information, pick out the stuff that's relevant, and then realize, okay, that's relevant. I need to now go and uh, transmit that to this flight because they're here. Or, you know, you say you get a pilot report for turbulence and you, it's been smooth in, in your world all day. And now you get this moderate turbulence report and you're like, okay, where's that? Okay, I have this flight that's about to be there. I need to send that up to them so they're, they're aware of it as well. So a good dispatcher is is always constantly ha- keeping that mental picture of where their airplanes are and any potential hazards that they need. Much like a pilot needs to stay ahead of the airplane, we need to stay ahead of our stay ahead of our desk. Now you talked about this desk. So you obviously you work in a room and kind of you talked about the different desks. I'm assuming it's a very large room, kind of like uh, in an office building. Yeah, it's a it's a very uh, very large room. I think. Uh, my airline at the most will have about 120 dispatchers on duty at one time, uh, maybe a little, a little more than that. And then a dispatcher during their shift will work anywhere between 30 and 30 and 50 flights, uh, depending, uh, domestically, internationally, it'll be anywhere between about the five flights up to, up to that same 40 flight range because of, uh, the people that work the Caribbean. Uh, there's a higher level of flights to the Caribbean compared to crossing the North Atlantic. So the, this room, I'd love to get a picture of the room, by the way. Maybe we can put it on the show notes. It, it's like this huge, like it's like NASA, it's, it seems to me, you know, where it's, uh, you know, you have all these big screens up, flights, weather, et cetera, and people have their individual screens. Um, I've only, honestly, this is kind of embarrassing to admit, I've never been in a, in a dispatch room. I've only you know, heard about them and talk to people about them. But one of these days I'm going to go take a tour. So Carl, we, we have to come and watch and see what you do for five hours uh, every year. Come <laughs> spend at least one hour with us at least once in your career. <laughs> I think, I think you're right about it. And it's funny what you said. We dispatchers actually have to fly with us on flights. I think it's awesome that they do that because they can see it from our operational perspective. But we don't we don't get that. I mean, sometimes we do. I know there's airlines that do tours of the dispatch, et cetera. But it would be kind of cool if we could go in and just hang out 
and and work a flight with you guys and that kind of or just you know kind of plug in say listen to what you're doing watching what you're doing uh and i think that's that's awesome i know some airlines do that and uh i'm, I'm gonna definitely do that i'm gonna either take you up on it or i'm gonna go find a find one at uh, the airline i fly for and just go hang out with those guys uh because it is fascinating to see what what happens on the other end uh from our end um and you hear this all the time we we see dispatchers names on the release our names the flight crew and everybody's on there you hear angst amongst certain pilots when they have certain dispatchers uh because they're like oh my gosh this is a good dispatcher this is not etc uh from our perspective we know what a good dispatcher is i mean we really love it when someone keeps us informed as to certain things that are happening for 90 five percent of the time there's not much communication you send the release and you go five percent of the time i feel that the flights are challenging where you have weather you have issues that kind of thing and a good dispatcher will keep you up to date on all those situations a good dispatcher also won't send you straight through a uh, you know, say a, a hurricane or something like that too. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> but, but I think that's that's cool that you do that. I mean, I, what are some of the rewards of being a dispatcher? I mean, I'm assuming you like your job. No, I, I absolutely love my job. Uh, I think it's the best kept secret in the aviation industry. Um, you know, I, I originally went to school. I wanted to be a pilot, and then life happened, and I I fell back and used this dispatch certificate. And that was 10 years ago when airlines weren't trying to gobble up pilots left and right. It was a lot harder of a hiring uh, hiring pool. And I my thought was I was going to go and try to um, get uh, my foot in the door with an airline using my dispatch certificate. And then from that same regional carrier, jump to the uh, uh, into the flight deck. And, and that was going to be my way to get into the flight deck. Well, it turned out I only spent about six months at a regional, and then I got hired by a major air carrier. And then when I hit that major air carrier, my pay got to the level where it would have been almost a 50% pay cut if I wanted to go back to a regional and start flying again. So I, I started making too much money to go back and flying, so I, I kind of keep it where it is. Um, the best part about being a dispatcher is I get to use all of that same information, all of that knowledge I went to school for. It's just like being a pilot. I get to do it all, except I get to go home every night. And I think that is the biggest thing that almost every pilot would, would kill for was is home time. And I, I think a lot of us that have families you know, really want that home time. I think that's an incredibly good point. A lot of people don't realize, as an airline pod, we talk about all the days we have off, but remember, like on Monday I go to work, I may not get home till Friday or Thursday night. Mike, you go to work and you come home the same day. Yep, I it's, go to work, I, I work my shift, I come home, I go to sleep, I get up, I have time with the, with the wife and kids before I go back to work, and it, it's, a, it's a great concept. Yeah, and that's that's really important. If you don't want to be away, uh, it's great to do that. If you, that works for some airline pilots. They can do turns, uh, but you know what? You're gonna have to be pretty senior to be able to hold those lines because there's a lot of the people that wish they could be home every night, and uh, and most people are commuting to work, etc. As pilots, you're there. You drive to work. You come back home, etc. Uh, the the other cool thing is you're involved in aviation, which is pretty awesome, and you also have the same benefits for travel as as a pilot. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that shift work you talked about. You, How many days a week do you work, and, and are you able to actually use your travel benefits? 
Yeah, we, we absolutely are, are able to use our travel benefits. And at my airline, uh, the dispatchers are either work four on, four off, uh, is, is the most rotation, and they work 10-hour shifts, or they work a different rotation, and they work uh, nine-hour shifts. But there's always, uh, there's always opportunities uh, to, to use your travel benefits. Uh, you take four days of vacation. Now you have 12 days off in a row, plenty of time to go pretty much anywhere in the world to use your travel benefits. And, you know, we, there's dispatchers that go on safaris down into, down into South Africa. Um, another great thing is we have access to the jump seat. So even if flights are full and you need to get somewhere, uh, you go and we do it. And, and kind of we mentioned before, uh, that dispatchers have to sit in, in the flight deck for, five hours on a route that they would normally dispatch so all those uh international dispatchers this is total air quotes here but we have to <laughs> go to europe every year and we have to do it on the company's dime and the company has to put us up in a hotel so uh international flight dispatcher gets a company paid vacation every every year that's awesome and and that's neat because you get to see it from that perspective plus you're you're really you're over with the crew and hanging out in your boat darn you have to go to Paris for the day <laughs> you know that's that's a that's a rough gig right there <laughs> it, it, it's a very rough gig I've been to uh, I've been to Dubai Tokyo London uh, where my where I've been so far as an international company paid uh, company paid vacation. You know, one of the things that I think is important, too, that you mentioned, and I'll talk a little bit about this and you kind of back me up, is the salary. A lot of people don't realize it's one of the best kept secrets. It's obvious it's the same as any other job in the beginning. Not great. Uh, in the in the regionals, according to some websites, uh, they talk about about $30,000 at the majors, about 50000 starting. But... Uh, I know a lot of I have friends that are dispatchers, and uh, they make a lot more than that, and they top out in the 130s and 140s. I even know dispatchers making up to 200000 a year, uh, and that's in general. Uh, and also another thing is sometimes it gets sucked up by some of the other uh, companies like ships and, and especially railroads. Maybe you could speak in general, obviously not about your salary, but say at where you work, are those numbers, they, they sound right to you, or, or maybe I'm a little bit off? No, no, those numbers are fairly accurate. Uh, I think a starting dispatch where I work now somewhere starts in the 65 to 70 range, which blows my mind, which is crazy because I definitely did not start at that level. <laughs> I started at the lower level, but as airlines started making money, they started giving employees more money. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. Um, but no, you're fully right about topping out. There are, there are dispatchers that top out easily over the 200, the 250. Um, there's some guys that suck up a lot of overtime and make into the 300,000 level. So when I, when salary rise and kind of push comes to shove, I would say that when you break it down to an hourly and our overtime to an hourly rate, we make about what a first officer would make. We don't quite make it to captain level money, but we definitely make it to a, a solid first officer uh, pay. Or, or a junior captain. Say. Right or a junior, or like junior, a junior captain. yeah, and that that's pretty good, and and you've uh, and you go through the same thing. I mean, again, the training is the same. You basically have to know the same thing as a as a pilot does. Uh, you may not be manipulating the controls. With that said, you don't have to be a pilot to be a dispatcher, but it does help. And Mike, you you actually have some certificates. What what level are you at as far as flying is concerned? Uh, I have a, a commercial single engine land with an instrument rating, 
is my is where my my current licenses and certificates are are now. So uh, I I don't use my commercial cer- certificate, but I do have my own general aviation airplane that I like to tool around in. Cool, awesome, and so somebody who really loves to fly. Do, what kind of airplane is it, by the way? I have a 1963 Beechcraft Musketeer. Oh, that I'm, awesome! I'm in a, I'm in a partnership with uh, a couple of other dispatchers at my airline. <laughs> that's that's terrific. Again, most people that are into aviation are flying somehow or get involved in flying, and, and you're one of those. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting that uh, a lot of people are looking at going from the desktop to the flight deck. Uh, you've actually considered that at one point in your career. That's a tough decision. I mean, especially where you are. Being a little more senior as a dispatcher, that would be a big cut in pay. I mean, that that's something that I'm sure a lot of folks at your airline, and I know dispatchers at other airlines say that, and they're like, "Gosh, you know, maybe I should go to the, to the cockpit." But it, it's it's a difficult decision, isn't it? Yeah, no, it totally is, and I still keep on thinking that in my head. I'm like, man, I, I, I you know, there's that still that lure of being an airline pilot. You 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 have that perception of you know what it is. Um, you know, and even still, me knowing all the quote bad parts of the job, like crew scheduling and reroutes, and you know, dispatchers and operational people using pilots to to keep the airline running and rerouting and changing your schedules and all that. I, there's still that lure of being able to fly a group group of people somewhere. Uh, there's still that lure of I'd love to be at the controls of a Cat Three uh, ILS it, to you know minimums auto land and and really do all of that i I still think that would be uh a great job but like you said that's a huge pay cut for me to start with and you know it's one of those things i don't know if i want to do that right right and that's a decision everybody has to make and uh it's interesting that uh, i think a lot of folks listening now are like wow i didn't realize dispatches could do that well uh but again let's let's be realistic again and and transparent you're not going to go right into a major usually uh, it might do a little stint at a regional. So to get to those levels, it might take a few years, uh, but not not that bad. I mean, you're probably looking about five years till you're making a really good salary, I'm assuming. Yeah, I, I would say that's fair. Uh, another thing I want to say, Carl, is uh, for to just to mention is dispatchers don't have any medicals. We don't have to have a medical certificate to be a dispatcher. And there is no mandatory retirement age for dispatchers as well. So it, it is kind of an open, endless career that you kind of can retire when you want to. There is no, there's no mandatory 65 expiration date on your career. You have that separate dispatcher certificate, and that's what you operate under. And and to operate under that, you don't have to have that medical. I think that's great. I mean, that's a, a great option for people that – even people that lose their, their medical certificate. And, and there are people now flying that's saying, you know, I really don't think I want to go into the cockpit. They might be flight instructors. They might just be getting started in their careers. And I think this is a great option. You know, you're still involved in aviation. You're in the airlines. You get the travel benefits. You're home every night. There is some shift work involved. I mean, we have to be, you know, transparent there because it's just like anything else. You – when you start, you're at the bottom of the list, so you're probably going to have to work the midnight shift, I guess, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It is shift work. Um, airlines don't close. We don't close for Christmas. We don't close for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, we're always open. Um, it's a 24-7, 365 office. We always have to have people on. Uh, you're going to work the holidays. I've worked uh, I've worked many Christmases in the past. My seniority doesn't allow me to take Christmas off as a day of vacation, so I have to bid a year 
uh, uh, we bid our desks, um, much like pilots bid trips, uh, at my airline, we bid for a whole year. So we have a whole, a year layout to plan, uh, to plan for. And, you know, it is shift work. Uh, I currently work midnight shift and there is no real end in sight in my current position of me not having to work the midnight shift. So it's something I'm okay with. And it's something that my family has learned to deal with. And I think the more that I work it, the more accustomed we become to when I get to sleep and when I don't get to sleep. Well, that's a good point. Also, you know, a, a extremely important distinction as a pilot says he works on the holidays, which normally means you won't see your family on the holiday. At least you will see your family some part of that day. Say if you have to work Christmas, you'll you'll still actually be able to see them where, you know, I might be sitting in a hotel in the middle of Central America or something. Right. Yeah, that's true. And uh, just one other downside of the job, but just to make everyone clearly aware of that you can't be a dispatcher anywhere in the United States. The, there's, the major airlines have three cities where their dispatch uh, lo- are located, and that's United has theirs in Chicago, Delta has theirs in Atlanta, American has theirs in Dallas, Southwest is in Dallas, I believe JetBlue is up in New York. So that, that's where you have to move to. You have to move for your job. So this isn't a, a you know, you could get into commuting and all of that, um, just like a pilot does. But if if you want to work for uh, in a major airline, working as a dispatcher, you're going to have to work in those cities. There's there's no dispatchers in Lincoln, Nebraska. Interesting. You know, and that point too. You mentioned something about commuting. There are some people I think that do commute as dispatchers. I know mechanics. Uh, do you know any of those? Yeah, there's a there's a ton of people that I know in my office that still uh, still work live in Minneapolis. Uh, we had a guy that work, lives in Dallas. We have a plenty of guys that live down in Florida, and they commute they commute to work. They have a small crash pad uh, type situation where they where they sleep when they're here. Um, one guy even <laughs> found it to be more advantageous just to uh, get a hotel room and get all those Hilton points. He found that he was saving about. 300 uh 300 bucks a month by getting a hotel room opposed to having actually an apartment that he rented wow that's interesting as a matter of fact full disclosure that's what i do uh when i commute i use uh, hilton and uh, the points you can you can gain them a lot of people think we get points when we're on our overnights we don't uh, but it is a, another way around it. Everybody has their their different view and also their their different way of actually uh, making their lifestyle better. Uh, so you can commute. You just have to remember it's going to be just like a pilot's lifestyle. You're commuting to a job. You're going to be there the whole time. You have to come back home. Uh, but that is an option, uh, like you said, with the shift work. So there's there's all these the, there's all these pluses and minuses. There's challenges. There's wonderful things. Uh, but but in general, uh, be, you know, before we close out, I just want to make sure that people realize it is a great job. It's a lot of fun um it's it's something that everybody i've talked to that's been a dispatcher really enjoys and they have a tough time leaving that job and i know a bunch of dispatchers that say hey listen i i love flying i'm gonna go become a flight instructor on the side or i'm gonna go do something else so there is that avenue to fulfill that flying isn't there oh yeah absolutely and when you get to those uh, topped out salary positions you get to Go buy an airplane. I mean, right. you, 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 you have the ability to, they're like, oh, you know, I, my, my time at work when it now, um, when my desk is basically goes to sleep 
uh, for the night because there's no arrivals or departures anymore. The, all the airplanes in the middle of the night is spending time on the on controller and traded plane looking for airplanes. It's great. That's awesome. Well, gosh, this has been great talking to you. Of course, uh, you do have your podcast talking about this. So if you're interested, definitely go out there. It, it's a great, great little podcast. Uh, it's flyinginlife.com. Talks about all of what we've talked about here and more. Uh, but before we go, is there anything, any advice you would give somebody who's listening right now that's thinking about becoming a dispatcher, whether uh, they, they're flying and they want to change into a dispatch job or they're just getting started in their careers? Is there any advice you would give to those people? I'd say stick with it. Um, become knowledgeable. Um, get as much like if you get as much information about the career as you can. Uh, there will be some good resources. Um, send an email to Carl. He'll he'll pass your info to me. I'd love to talk to people more one on one about being a dispatcher. It it is a unique job and it does require certain skill sets to do, but they're they're attainable uh, by by everybody. And it, it, it is really a, uh, it's a different type of lifestyle. And I think people really should try to fully understand it before they jump, jump right in on it. A great way to understand it is listen to your podcast and obviously listen to this here. And uh, and like you said, if they just write feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com, I'll send them over to Mike. Mike will answer those uh, anonymously, and of course, and we'll answer them on here too. Uh, and Michael, if, if we could, we'd love to have you back on to answer some of those questions too. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. It's no problem. Cool, cool. Well, guys, you know, this, is, this has been terrific. If you're listening right now and you're thinking about the job of a dispatcher, make sure you check out his website, flyinginlife.com. Of course, you can come here and we'll have a few more dispatchers on to talk about their lifestyle. It's a cool job. It's really a lot of fun. But if you're if you're thinking about doing anything in aviation, really it's important to start researching it. Do it now. Just like every time we, we look at something that we want to do, that it's just one step at a time. And I want you to do that. If you're thinking about being a dispatcher or doing anything in your career, take one step today to move forward in your career. It could be something small. It could be just going out to... Well, flyinginlife.com and checking out the podcast or reading the show notes here and clicking on all the links about the salaries, where you can become a dispatcher, etc. Talk to your family, talk to your friends. Sign up for coaching at aviationcareerspodcast.com. We can help. But do something, do something today to move forward in your career and your life. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening. We'll talk to you next episode. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.